Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we have Stefan Horst on the show. Hi, Stefan. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. I've got uh, Stefan. Stefan's background is that he is uh, a, a seasoned digital marketer. He is also the co-founder and CEO of Symphonic Digital, which is a leader for small to medium-sized businesses in the digital programmatic media buying and planning space. Um, he'll tell you a little bit more, I'm hoping, about the, the, the symphonic story in a second. Um, I've known uh, Stefan for years, so it's really exciting to have him on the show. Um, Stefan, before we get into what's the latest with symphonic, um, tell us a little bit about your path and how, you, how you've ended up living in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, well, you know, where does it all start? I'll probably say it started back in 2000, 2001 when I actually spent a year in Maine. Um, you know, I studied in Germany and then took part of an exchange program uh, to get my bachelor at the University of Maine. And I just had such a great time um, being here in the States. I was like, at some point in my life, I want to live in the States and work in the States. So after graduating from, from university, literally my career path had only that in mind. How do I get back to the U.S. and live and work there? So, you know, when looking, or when I looked for my first job, I was looking for opportunities that would get me there. So I came across this job ad for a key account manager at a search engine marketing company you know that was 2004 not many people knew what search engine marketing was in germany i mean probably across the world um it was like interesting and something with marketing i like marketing so so i applied they they hired me to to build out their uk operations and two years later i ended up in london running their company basically the uk part um and it, it was, a, was a great ride till Mindcheck came along and said, hey, you know, we need someone uh, that, that can help us build search in EMEA for, for us. So went over to them, did that there. Um, and, you know, network, network agencies back then weren't really that great from a search perspective. It was an afterthought. I mean, you know, you were in a big agency world back then, and I'm, I'm sure you will test that. Search was, you know, oh, we have $5,000 left. Let's put it into search. Yeah. Um, so... So from I, I there, I tell you some uh, shocking stories of senior executives at uh, at agencies. Uh, when I when when I, I said that we were working on search marketing, they they thought that we were working in executive search and yeah. placing people in jobs. They had yeah. no no sense of what it actually included. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. I can totally see that. You had to explain a lot, even with clients. I mean, I remember writing a writing a. a strategy document for a big US automotive company on, on how to use search that was in 2006 and why not only to use it for brand terms, but why generic search was so important. So, you know, after being at Mindshare, University McKen came along and they needed someone to do something similar. And so I went over to them and then I think that's when, when we met at some point because uh, I think IPG slash Media Band wanted to roll out uh, Reprise Media as that's their right. mobile search agency. And uh, I, I had the pleasure to kind of 
lead that in Europe to kind of work with the local markets, roll that out, um, and and put the you know structure in place, which was great. Um, till I met my wife in London, and uh, <laughs> she was is from LA, um, and after five six years in London, which is a great city. I mean, I can only recommend everyone who who is interested in in history and travel to go there. But after five six years of miserable summers, gray clouds and rain, we just <laughs> we just needed a change, right? Yeah. And luckily, you know, media brands needed someone for the LA office, and um, so we we moved. For her, she moved back. I moved over to the US, what I always wanted to do. And then I run the LA office here for, for four of their uh, companies, basically. And um, that's also where Symphony Digital started at the end of the mm -hmm. day, because at some point I had a client called LifeLock and they wanted to spend $50,000 on a two month campaign, paid search campaign. And um, you know, at the agency, you go through the motion, you, you tell the account team about it. They tell you who they want to have working on it. You finance gets that, they put numbers against and you get it back and you see how much you need to charge them. Yeah. I wanted to charge them $25,000. So 50% off the 50,000 for a two month campaign. And you look at it, it's like a, a junior person with less than a year experience right? Um, who had a $300, $400 hourly rate. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, yeah. they didn't do the campaign, but at that point it was like, there must be a better way to, to, to service small, medium-sized companies to give them that big agency experience and, and, and access, but at a more small agency feel. Right. And, and that's basically, that's, that's when we decided. So, so that really led into the kind of yeah. the idea of building uh, a programmatic agency, so to speak, focused around small to medium-sized businesses and LifeLock's not a small business, right? I mean, this is, not, a, this not, is one are. of those kind of, I love the misnomer of SMBs. Uh, I, I, I sat down with a guy who has a trade association for SMBs in America. He said, well, SMBs are any business below a billion dollars in revenue. So, so, <laughs> so these are actually pretty, sometimes quite sizable businesses, but yeah. I, I, I understand perhaps in the world where you have Companies like Apple and uh, reaching the trillion-dollar market. So uh, maybe maybe a billion dollars seems like small small potatoes these days. But sure. tell me a little bit more about Symphonic, what you guys are yeah. doing there, and what are you working on there? Yeah, yeah. So you know, we started off just focusing on where we came from: paid search, paid social, worked with startups, small, medium-sized businesses, um, and um, over over time because we have such a strong network within agencies or with people that work at agencies, um, people came along and said, look, you know, I work at a smaller agency now and we have a client that came in and then he needs search, programmatic, social support, but we don't have anyone to help us with that, you know? So we, we over time, kind of built a second part out where we provided white label services to, to bigger, smaller agencies and medium-sized agencies because it's quite hard when you just have one client to build a department. I mean, as you know right. yourself, one person doesn't make a team. Even two people is, is challenging. Right. You know, um, one person goes, both go, and then you have nothing left. So we kind of built the company in two directions. One side that was really focused on brands, direct business, and one on agency business. And we looked in particular at what other companies are out there? What do white label companies already do? And what, what I identified is a lot of them um, use software systems as it relates to communication. So you, you have a platform where you fill in your brief and um, you need to change something, you fill in the information, but no one talks to you. 
And a lot of them also use an US operation team, but an India or let's say offshore execution team far away outside of your time zone. And that created a lot of problems for the companies that we or agencies that we talk to, right? Because you need a change. Well, you got to wait because India, the Philippines, it's at the middle of the night when, when there's day here, right? So that, that was really problematic. So we kind of shaped our service offering to, to, to work with that, you know, um, to really have people here um, to set up a company that is different than back then in 2013, most of the agencies that were in the market, you know, right. everyone here since 2013 works remote. Um, right. We don't have an office. We hire people that have at least five years experience. So I, I thought that the the uh, backdrop for you today was was your office. I was very envious. Uh, <laughs> that would be a great place, right? Yeah, uh, I wish so, that so, would be my office. <laughs> so, so, you know, as when when we started in the programmatic space, there, there mm -hmm. was a, a challenge for, I think, small businesses to so I would say realize the benefits of it um, because of just from a scale perspective, yeah. right? There's a, a real need to be spending it at, at, a, at, a, at a higher clip. Um, how has that evolved and why is, why is this kind of new form of um, kind of buying and planning important today for your clients? Well, I think with programmatic it's with, with so many things. Um, in the beginning, access was really problematic for, for a lot of smaller medium-sized companies. And I also think that at some point, there were a lot of companies that wanted to do programmatic because it was a new shiny thing, but they were having $5,000 here, $10,000 there. And, and I don't think it makes sense at such a budget level to, to go and use, for example, a trade test or, or any other DSP out there, because you, know, you have separate data costs, you have, you have software costs, so you have to pay for the platform, etc. Um, now, these days, I think the, the playing field is a little bit different. You have a lot, of, um, a lot of trading desks out there that basically give you much easier access to, to programmatic inventory. So you don't have to have a contract with a trade desk where you have to have at least a $50,000, $100,000 minimum a month to, to, to get access and use the platform. Um, the trading does allow you to, to go in. I would still say before you start spending, you know, when your budget is below 10, 20,000, go to Google. They have the data, right? You don't have to pay extra for software. You don't have to pay extra right. for data. You, you can get a basic programmatic approach there. But when you're beyond that, I think using a trade desk or trading desk uh, is, a, is, is a great solution. And it gives you opportunities to engage with your audience at much deeper levels, basically. That's great. And uh, so what have you seen over the, I mean, this last year has been quite a, mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say a watershed moment in many respects for a lot of businesses as they've shifted truly to digital landscape from a yeah. media perspective. Uh, what, what have you seen and what have you been some of your interesting insights that you've seen this year? In, in general? Yeah, for clients and what you've learned from as, as, a, as a digital agency owner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think every agency um, struggled through Q2, Q3 last year. I mean, I think we all were quite worried about where is that going, right? I mean, we had a great start of 2020 and it was like, great, we're going to hit our sales goals. And then come Q2, the clients we won all of a sudden started to, to disappear, you know? And... Um, I think it took 
those two, three quarter or those two quarters for companies to realize, you know, we cannot just stop, right? We, life must go on, you know, it's different, but we need to find a way to engage with people that are now quarantined at their home or they can't go out, they can't go into, you know, uh, shops to buy the products. Um, so, so what I've seen is a lot of businesses that previously didn't spend so many thoughts on online, even smaller companies, to all of a sudden being pushed into this online world. They had to find right. a solution to, to become visible because right. they couldn't get the people in store, right? So there was a huge need for companies to help them do that. But then there was also a huge need for helping those companies advertise, you know, for the, for the smaller companies, probably more on a local level, but for even the mid-sized companies that weren't focused so much on digital, they had to figure out things and had to discover this journey. How, you know, how do we all of a sudden get visibility? How do we get people in? How do we stay alive? How do we generate revenue? Yeah. And I think for, for us as, as, for us as a company, what that led to is much more consultation. Um, you know, you and I know that that the big agency world has talked for a number of years, how are we fending off the likes of um, um, the big consultancy groups, right? As they're going into digital marketing and they're coming more from a consultant approach, not from an only media buying approach. And I think for us as a more small mean sized agency or agency that focuses on these kind of clients, adding the consulting approach to what we do has added value to our customers. Because, you know, one thing that, that I talk a lot about these days is I hear so many people talk about lead generation and it's great, but let's be realistic. A lead is just an intermediate goal, right? I mean, you could have a hundred leads that converted 1% and you get one sale out of it. If you have 50 leads that converted 4%, you get yeah. two sales, right? So that's, I would rather 50 and have a higher CPL than anything else. But where the consultation comes into, into the picture here is the sales part that right. a lot of companies don't have figured out their sales part. So they, they, they have the marketing funnel done, but the sales funnel is not optimized. So our optimization part and approach goes into the sales part and say, look, let's have a look at how are you set up? Are you properly identifying marketing qualified, sales qualified opportunities, et cetera, you know, and then, are you measuring between all those points? And if not, where can we start help you optimize things? You know? Yeah, so it's, it's a really interesting question. I, I see that uh, sometimes with, with our own business where clients are, are very obsessed with leads. I mean, I have to admit, I'm pretty obsessed with leads as, as, <laughs> a, as a company owner. <laughs> Uh, mostly because I've done the attribution modeling so that we understand and I guess the modeling where we know that X percent of leads generate uh, a certain number of closes, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. we, our X number of leads generate a certain number of closes. And, and, and that, that I think can happen when you have a, a, a data sample that's large enough and that you can kind of think along those lines. But you're absolutely right. There are many, many disconnects that marketers don't, don't get to kind of weigh in on. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really valuable service that you guys are offering. So, so Stefan, I mean, this has been a challenging year for everybody. It sounds like mm -hmm. you guys have had your ups and downs. Um, uh, what, what's bringing you the most joy these days? <laughs> well, I think the, the, the biggest joy at the moment is to see how we're growing. You know, I mean, we're, we're a small company, but to be honest, we have, yeah. we had, we started off with four full-time people. We have probably 10, 15 um, contractors that we pulled in at any point. But since the beginning of the year, we already hired 
two people. We have two more open racks. So come March, we doubled our size within two months, right? Um, we, we've seen a lot of incoming requests for the services that we provide on, on that, what I just talked about, that B2B side where we help company sorting out their, their sales problems and, and, and converting more leads or, or getting even better leads in, at the end of the day. And then on the other side, helping agencies who, who I think also had a kind of a little bit of a reawakening during the pandemic, right? Especially the ones that had smaller teams. Clients go away all of a sudden, as I said, you know, their, their programmatic search team, social team was gone and they had to look for other solutions. And then the question becomes, am I going to build out a team again where I have one person um, or am I going to look for a partner that can slot in and can, can help? So figuring and fine tuning our services for, for those two areas, which we've decided to focus on it is, is really interesting because it kind of constantly means to take on the feedback that we're getting from, from clients or from conversations with prospects. And then looking at if we are properly, if the solution is properly set up to, to help as many people as possible. Right. Um, so that's, that's really great. As we're, as we're growing, it also means I can slowly but surely start pushing things off that I'm not so interested in. And you know that yourself, right? You, you founded Canary. And in the beginning, yeah. there are a lot of, you know, a lot of things that are on your desk. You don't everything. like all of them. Everything. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> You're right. Um, you don't like all of this, you know? I mean, but you have to do it. So yeah, I as, mean, you as find people that are better than you, and it's good to bring those things and start to build the company and the culture. And that's wonderful. So, so the future for Symphonic, I mean, I'm just curious how you're seeing the next year, the next couple of years developing for you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we obviously have our growth goals, which luckily knock on wood this year we've already achieved, which is early. So now I have to kind of go to the team and say, well, by the way, um, here's the new goal. Um, so it's, it's, it's exciting. It's now looking at who do we need to bring in to strengthen our services? Mm -hmm. um, that obviously always is driven by our customers and, and by what we see the market doing. Um, so that's, that's, that's interesting because there's a lot of research, a lot of conversation, a lot of networking, talking to people like, like yourselves, right? And, and collecting feedback and, and ideas and just bouncing off thoughts on things. Um, you know, I mean, me personally, I would like to see us you know, having 20, 25 people over the next probably three to five years. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not in a, in a business of building a company that has 100 plus uh, people. I think, you know, at some point it's just a numbers game. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's not what I'm interested in. I, I want to have, I want to be able to, to have a connection with the people that we employ. You know, I want to feel us being a team, a unit. And I think there's a certain size when that's no longer possible. Um, so that's really exciting. And, and that's really, yeah, I think what I'm it's a great, for. I mean, it's a great, uh, it's a great goal. And I, I would say, Stefan, I know, and obviously I knew you back at when we were both at Reprise and mm -hmm. um, it's just wonderful to see individuals take a concept or an idea, see an insight and then turn that into a successful business. And so kudos to you, kudos to the symphonic team. Kudos to all your clients to get to actually have the benefit of having a team that has that much experience of, and, 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 and actually being able to apply that to, to small to medium sized businesses. Um, it's been great to have you on Uncaged today. Um, Uncaged is a show 
uh, that provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and managing the path to the commerce of tomorrow. Today, we've been talking to Stefan Horst, who is the co-founder and CEO of Symphonic Digital, a programmatic and digital media buying and planning uh, uh, agency targeting small to medium-sized businesses. Stefan, so great to have you on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Ben, thank you so much for having me. Bye. Cheers.